You guys, welcome back. This is going to be the shortest intro in the history of this podcast, maybe any podcast, because this episode is maybe the longest episode ever, and maybe the weirdest, and you're going to hear that very, very soon. But first of all, welcome. You are listening to Let It Out with me. I'm your host, Katie Delbout. Thank you so much for listening. If you're new, what a weird episode to uh, start your listening career of the Let It Out podcast. I recorded this episode very late at night. I mentioned at the end of this that it might be the first time I've started an episode on one day and it's ended on a different day. That's how late at night this episode was recorded in a very cozy, warm Pilates studio, actually my favorite Pilates studio in the world here in New York City in the East Village. It's called Sixth Street Pilates, and you are going to hear the owner and Pilates teacher, Anula, talk about everything from the history of Pilates to growing up in Israel and moving to New York at 19, and photography and how she transitioned from being a photographer to being a Pilates instructor and studio owner, and a really interesting, fascinating, cool person with great style and a lot of cool insights on life and feelings. We meandered all over the place in this conversation, but it's long, like I said, and honestly, I was kind of loopy, and there are parts that were both really tired. But we said at the end, this is a conversation that wouldn't have happened if I would have caught her at 2 p.m. on a Tuesday with a cup of coffee. It was one of those conversations that happens at a sleepover when you're having pillow talk and it wasn't like that at first but after an hour and a half of recording we really got comfortable and talked about things in a way that people don't usually talk about things on a podcast we talked about depression and feeling sad and that being okay we talked about the privilege of being able to talk about our feelings and many really important things but the juice I mean there's The entire episode is good, but the really, really important parts that I haven't been able to stop thinking about all happen at the end, so get there and listen to them. Okay, like I said, it's long. I don't want to keep rambling. I started to say, if you're new, welcome. If you've been listening for a while, thank you so much, and I hope you continue to listen. There's an archive of 200-plus episodes I don't have to say nearly 200 anymore. We've passed 200. So there are officially over 200 episodes on iTunes and more every single week. This podcast comes out every Wednesday. And thank you so much for listening. Stay until the end because I'm going to give you the emoji for the episode that will let me know that you listened all the way to the end. And we can all have a little club about that on the internet. But follow Anula. She's great. Her Instagram is in the show notes. And leave a review on iTunes if you like this podcast. Share it with a friend if you like this podcast. Blast it out of your speakers as you're walking around or driving to share it with people on the street. That's probably not very nice. Just, you know, tell people if you think they would enjoy it. Okay, let's talk about the sponsors and get to this week's episode. I love you. Thank you so much for listening. This week's episode is brought to you in part by Bob's Red Mill. I love Bob's Red Mill, and you probably do too. 
I use their products regularly. They are a wholesome brand that makes you feel good about what you're eating. They've been offering organic, gluten-free, stone ground products for decades. They have gluten-free products that are processed in 100% gluten-free facility to ensure no cross-contamination. So if you have celiac disease, like my best friend does, you can use their products and you can know that you're going to be safe and you're not going to get sick from them. I really do buy their stuff all the time, you guys, and I did long before they were a podcast sponsor. If you're baking a lot at this time of year, as one does, you probably need some flowers and some flaxseed and some coconut flour and almond flour and, you know, your paleo flowers, your vegan flowers. I think all flowers are vegan, I hope. Anyway, they have the products for you. And right now, you can get 25% off your order of Bob's Red Mill products, which you're probably going to buy anyway at the store. You might as well order them. And use the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's LETITOUT for 25% off your order. Thank you so much, Bob's Red Mill. Thank you for supporting the podcast by supporting the sponsors. You guys, I've become obsessed with Juice Beauty. I really have. This is, yes, they are a sponsor, but this, I would probably be telling you this if they were not. I can't get enough of their products. The founder, Karen, came on the podcast a while ago. I love the woman. She's very, very cool, very smart, also Midwestern, but her products are just as cool as she is. They offer luxurious, high-performance skincare, (laughs) but really, it's amazing. It's plant-pigmented makeup that I can't get enough of. It makes my skin actually feel really great. Their pigmented primer is my favorite thing. I use it every day. I'm actually running low, so I need to get another one. I can't get enough of them. Gwyneth Paltrow is their creative director of their makeup line. And let me tell you, she knows how to make a good lip crayon as well as act in a movie, okay? She's the real deal, that woman. And, well, I don't know if she's the real deal, but I really like the makeup from Juice Beauty. I'll tell you that much, okay? Here's the thing. You guys can get 15% off your order, no code needed, by going to juicebeauty.com slash let it out. That's juicebeauty.com slash let it out for 15% off your order. It might be easier, instead of remembering that, to just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you to their website where you can shop, get everything you need for skincare. This stuff would make great gifts at the holidays. I know I'm going to be gifting my favorite products to people. I really love their lip products. I love, like I said, their primer. I use their powder as foundation and all their skin. Oh, I'm washing my face with their green apple cleanser every day. I'm really enjoying that. I love natural skincare, you guys. It's a addiction that I have and Juice Beauty feeds into that. So if you want to help me out with my addiction and you want to maybe get one yourself, I highly recommend going to juicebeauty.com slash let it out for 15% off your order. Try it. Okay. Enjoy this episode. Bye. I've never recorded a podcast this late at night before. So. I've never recorded a podcast this late at night before. <laughs> well, I like it. I like our fun um, sleepover party. I'm just kidding. I'm like, you know, let's just do it. Let's just get it done. Just I know. Do it. Otherwise, I, we'll just play, like, tag. I know. Forever. Um, and I was so excited to have you on that even I was, like, talking to my boyfriend on the way over here, and I was like, this is the one I told you about because I was so sad when we 
like couldn't do it on um, Labor Day. Well, yeah, Day, yeah, I was yeah. Getting confused. And I was like, so, so I was like, what if it never happens? I, I think she's mad at me. What if I never get to like, I make up all these like yeah, silly yeah. stories in my head. And yeah. I was like, no, it's fine. We'll do it when we we'll do, do it. it. It's fine. It's like, totally so fine. silly. I just, well, I thank you for that. wanting to hear what I have to say. Oh my gosh. Well, I love the studio and I just happened in here. And then I started following you on Instagram and I was like, oh, she's amazing and so cool. And I met you like briefly one morning, I think, um, as I was like trying to take a class that was yeah. booked. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, I've been excited to have you on ever since we, well, we tried the first time. Well, yeah. What is, what is um, the thing you're interested in talking about? Well, everything. I have copious notes. Okay. So I've, um, I've spent the, well, not actually made these notes like months ago, ago when, yeah. we, when we started this. But I like listened to you on other podcasts and I just, and I read all your articles and I spent time with you, which was lovely on the internet. And so anyway, I've been, I have lots of things I want to talk about, but I've okay. been really liking starting this podcast in the present. Okay. So I like to get into future and the past and where you are but I've been really liking starting in the now so what have you been pondering or realizing or thinking about really recently like today or the last week or month even right what's been on your mind <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, are we recording we're recording okay we just got, go. it. got it um good question so I think the thing that like is the most present right now is the most recent article I wrote about body shaming on social media I don't know if you got to I don't know if I saw it read that so it came out a couple weeks ago and um it's sort of in reply to I think people say on social media things that they would never say to your face which is like a, a not a new notion yeah. Right, but what's new about it is I think that new about it in terms of like the Pilates community or fitness community or women to women or you know all these things that I I'm constantly thinking about is that why in this day and age where women are feeling very unequal to men. Uh, with like who we have as a president and like various you know traumatizing stories coming out um why is it the case that women aren't advocating for other women more on social media why is it that women feel that it's okay to shame their colleagues online like why is that actually okay like, why does that fall under the category of I'm just expressing my thoughts? Because, like, I'm, you know, there's a fine line between, like, censoring people and reprimanding them for being rude, yeah. right? So I'm not so interested. I'm, like, not interested in the, in the action of, like, saying you can't say this. I'm asking why is it okay to say this, Yeah, you know, um, and start really changing what is acceptable way to communicate 
your thoughts, especially between women. Like, whatever men say about women's bodies becomes a lot more political and, like, a lot more multifaceted historically or whatever, mm-hmm. male gaze and all of that. But I wonder to myself, like, when a woman is sitting in front of a clip of me teaching a class online and she says, I would never want to learn fitness from someone who is so unfit, right? Let's say that's, yeah. that's the sentiment. Why is that an actually acceptable thing to say publicly? You know, it's sort of saying like... To why me, would it's I, not acceptable. Right, but it is acceptable in some circles of thought, right? Because to me, it sounds the same as like, well, I would like... Why would I want to learn fitness from someone who doesn't refl- like reflect the body I'd like to have? Right. Right? Or sort of like, why would I learn fitness from someone who's Jewish? Or why would I want to learn fitness from someone who's black? Or, you know what I mean? Like, you don't, like, there's someone's physicality and saying that you don't want to learn from their physicality yeah. is not hate crime or like, you know, like we're not going like that deep into it, but it's the same as being like, well, I wouldn't want to learn from her cause she's gay. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, that's actually not okay to say. It's right. fine to think, think whatever you want. Right. But it reminds me of that. <laughs> like after the election, the, um, Aziz Ansari Saturday night live, um, monologue where he was saying all of these racists and all of these homophobic people were there, but they were hiding. Right. And then now, now they, they have they're liberated. Like, yeah, and and you helped me just to reframe that because I was thinking, well, that's not okay to say. Yeah. But I just like that just clicked for me the way you explained it of like, well, people are saying it, so clearly they feel comfortable enough saying it. They're saying no it, one but they're say. saying it every day. Like, here's the thing, like, they're saying, and it's not like, woe is me, like, white girl teaching Pilates, like, first world problems, like, like, I'm not, I'm trying to look at, like, a much bigger picture, where it's like, like, this is, like, a, a, an issue that is bigger than, like, my actual personal feelings, like, like, the amount of people that don't participate in various parts of society, like, like, amount of people that don't go to a gym or amount of people that wouldn't go to the park and exercise outside or the amount of people that won't go to a Pilates studio or a yoga studio or yeah. any tax bracket you want to put a human being in because of their size perpetuates them not exercising. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so so it's like, do you want... what? Like, what is your end goal? Is your end goal to shame people into not coming into your studio or is like, or when people come into your studio and they're and they're larger, do you shame them, and and treat them like they're not worthy of the exercises? Like I'm not, I'm trying to imagine like if this is how you speak to a fellow colleague right. online, what are you gonna say to your student that comes in and who is yeah my size and right. wants to learn Pilates from you? It's, What's it's, the exchange that you guys are going to have? Are you going to tell her that she's not actually... Okay? Right. Like she, so there's something inherently wrong with her? Yeah. And what if she doesn't lose the weight as you guys go on this journey together of fitness and she stays right. the same weight, but she gets a lot stronger? Right. 
because you, body diversity exists right like different different genetics and different like medications and different yeah. like hereditary issues like you can't you, you don't know yeah. what's going on with this person and you definitely don't know go what's going on with me so I'm just like imagining like what does the session look like with someone who is yeah. so on one end of the spectrum of tolerance yeah you know like you go in there and like you actually should lose weight before you come in like i i just wonder like what that how they're treated i feel like i i talk about this podcast primarily we talk about everything but body image is something we always talk about and inclusivity and wellness in, in general and i think Oh, and I'd love to hear from you, and I think we already are kind of talking about this, what do you think it will take to change this in the wellness or fitness industry? Yeah, I mean, I think the only way to change this is to actually not tolerate it anymore. Like, Like, again, like, I'm not trying to sort of akin this to true injustices in the world right it's just like a tiny microcosm of injustice right um but things snowball so it's like if i tolerate this and i'll tolerate probably something else and then i'll tolerate something bigger and something bigger and something bigger so if i start small and like a, a snarky comment that i don't think is okay and to call the person out yeah. And publicly and say like actually I don't think this is expect- acceptable speech um, is the only way to change it is to like not back off and let it slide or, or always take the high road like I'm not I'm not saying I'm like I want to start a fight I want I'm just saying I'm actually saying out loud you actually can't speak to me that way yeah so you're either going to have to live with the fact that I exist or keep scrolling but you can't stop and make a snide rude yeah. remark you actually can't yeah. and the, the more people say that like, the same response right the more people say you actually can't stop on my page and say something rude that's I, how I, I think that's the slow way to make not denormalizing rudeness yeah (laughs) what about in in the wellness or the fitness industry as a whole because i know i've i've walked into studios not this beautiful one that we're sitting in that i love but other places lots of places and just felt like i wasn't included or i wasn't good enough or i didn't have the right outfit or the nice thing about wellness studios um especially in big cities is that there's so much to choose from right so the problem is anything between like the big cosmopolitan cities and like the space in between those cities yeah um because in the bigger city you will always be able to find in my imagination the right wellness space for you if it's your favorite yoga studio if it's your favorite meditation center if it's your favorite Pilates studio in my case um you know, and, like, I wouldn't even exclude, like, trying out the big chains because, like, not every chain studio is the same as its counterpart. So, like, 
I, I always advise people, if they're moving to a new city, try all of the studios in the area that you can get to, and you will eventually find the one you like. It's The problem is in smaller towns yeah. uh, where there's maybe like one or two options and you mm-hmm. can't find your option. Um, and then there's not a whole lot of solutions other than going virtual and finding like a virtual yeah. wellness support. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's where I just came from. I, I, I only moved to New York in June and where I lived, I exhausted all the options yeah. in like a week. Whereas yeah. here, like I barely scratched the surface right. and like... And these are, you know, like, like LA and New York and, you know, Chicago, whatever, like are big centers for wellness uh, or like a lot of like practitioners are there and you can probably find your jam. I would say to people everywhere in between um, that if you can't find a place that you feel comfortable exercising or whatever it is that you're looking to experience, yeah. um, you, you there's so many resources online yeah. these days that are going to probably scratch that yeah. need. There is so something as great as online classes are, yeah. online things are something about... There's not a sense of community. Yeah. 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 And the, the physicality of, like, having, especially in Pilates, I yeah. think, of, like, having someone there. The guide, the being guided through the exercises and finding, you know, like, or, like, being familiar strangers with the people that you usually kind of yeah. take class with. And, like, the teacher starts knowing your name. Like, yeah. the sense of community the Pilates studio creates um, can't be mimicked yeah. anywhere else. Um but if that doesn't exist where you live, then don't totally. fight it. <laughs> it's just like, it's like this podcast. Like, I love doing this, recording in person at 9.30 p.m. Sure, sure, sure. To, because for so long I did it over the internet on Skype, and, and it was great. And I've had some great interviews that way, but there's something about yeah. in-person connection. Yeah. I try to take as many meetings as I can in person yeah. and do as much in person as I can because I think so much of that is lost definitely I mean I've done a few different Skype or conference call meetings and and podcasts and they feel great but they're not the same because what I say into like a receiver will be probably different than seeing the reaction of the person in real time to what you're saying Um, yeah it's not yeah, there and there's no nodding, there's no smiling, yeah. there's no. It's I don't more know, of a business transaction. Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. and it's I, like I'll remember this, like I'll remember this in a year and be like, oh, remember that funny night where I had like warm up pajamas That's and weird. came out at yeah. nine thirty and did a podcast, and I wouldn't remember it if normal. I like talked to you on the phone tonight. <laughs> you know, like I wouldn't have. Yeah, it won't be as visceral. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we've been talking about Pilates quite a bit but let's let's zoom the lens backwards so you grew up in Israel and I heard that your mom is American and your dad is a famous writer so can you talk about your (laughs) your childhood a little bit do you have brothers and sisters yeah I have two younger brothers okay I feel like when people ask me that I feel sort of guilty because it's sort of very similar to growing up in any 
suburb. So I yeah. grew up in a suburb. Okay. Um, which was pretty homogenous. I'm an only child whenever people yeah, are like, what was that like? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know any different reality. Yeah. So, it, you know, there was war and, and various permutations of, of, like, danger, you know? But when it's true. When you don't know that there's an alternative, really, then... It seems yeah. really kind of nor- like your your normal changes. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was. What were you like as a kid? What was I like as a kid? Um, what were you I was into? Busy. Yeah. <laughs> I was always busy. <laughs> so I feel like I was always either busying myself. The one of the things my mom told me very early on is that if you're bored, that means you're boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when she said that, it sort of stilled, like, the fear of, like, ever being boring to me. So I was yeah. never... Like, being bored is, like, the most insulting thing that somebody can say. You know, like, when I was like, what are you doing? Oh, I was just bored. Yeah. Yeah, like, I find that to be, like, the most... Like, it's the biggest turnoff. I agree. And, like... Or, like, if you're meeting someone and, like, you know, like, on a romantic level and, like, they're, like, oh, I was so bored today. I'm, like, immediately uninterested totally. yeah. in anything they have to say I can't even that. relate to that. Yeah, like, like I'm, I, like, no, you I lost me. I remember the last time I was bored. Like, we have, yeah. we have cell phones. So, it's like, sort of, like, yeah, it was sort of, like, always busy. Not, like, yeah. not for the sake of being busy, but, like, it was, I was, like, oh, I'm going to do th- interesting things. Um... So as a kid, I was I was interested in in grown up things like cinema <laughs> and art, and you know I went to like a high school of the arts, and cool. um, you know I read books, and I was very interested. I think being really really interested in things was sort of my. It didn't really matter what it was like. Yeah. Like, either be really interested in it or don't, like, do it at all, you yeah. know? Uh, kind of all or nothing, kid. Is that where you got into photography in high school? Yeah. Uh, I started in visual arts, and um, my mother is a visual artist, so I decided that at some point I was going to switch over to a different medium, so it didn't feel so in the footsteps. What kind of art does she make? She's a painter. Okay. Yeah, so I was thinking that maybe not doing that exact thing would feel better. better. Yeah. Um, so you're, d- you're doing photography, you're yeah. a busy kid. Yeah. Did you always know you wanted to move to New York? Why? Yeah. Why New I, York? Went, I came here when I was maybe 12 with my mom. And, uh, we so were she's walking. American? Yeah. Where, where is she from? She's from Urbana. Where's Illinois. that? Okay, Illinois. Yeah. Okay, she's Midwestern. Yeah. And... Um, you know, she came from a bohemian life, like, bohemian parents, and um, she's the youngest of four, and they had an interesting upbringing. Um, and then I remember coming here, you know, we would come every year to look at galleries and museums with mom and, you know, see family and things. Uh, and I remember walking around the old MoMA before they renovated it and I had like a moment where I was like oh I'm gonna move to New York and I'm gonna be Andy Warhol and I'm gonna have a factory 
and all these like different characters are gonna come in and out and I'm gonna just you kind of do and I think that I kind of do you totally do (laughs) you know so in a way I found a way to like do what I decided to do many years ago but maybe not necessarily in the arts but I found a way to create a space where people can come and be themselves and move and be expressive and have like a rotating group yeah. of, of really good humans being interesting together which is uh, really what he was doing yeah. um my, maybe minus the drugs and the yeah and the rock and roll but yeah yeah oh, I love that so that was very like that was a like a, a moment where it was very clear to me what I wanted to do and there was no wavering off the path mm-hmm. and yeah yeah I feel like I was around 12 when I came here for the first time and had like a similar thought of I'm either going to move here or I'm always going to wonder what it would have been like to live in New York. I think that's the human condition. Yeah. It's like if you've been to New York and then you either like lament never having tried or you move and you have a very like extreme life. New York is extreme. Yeah. You know, uh, there's not a whole lot of in between. Like, it's like very, very hot or very, very cold. Yeah. And um, your best days are like euphoric and your worst days are The highs are, are like highs, terrible. the lows are incredibly low. Yeah. The train doesn't work or it works really well. Like, there's nothing, yeah. like, there's nothing in between. Um, the rent is really high, but then you can like find like a really cheap dinner. Like, there's yeah. just like everything you know happens in these extreme scenarios but I knew that this was 17 years ago when I moved here that there's just this was for at least now or for the duration is my time and then I'm actually coming full circle on it where I'm like okay 17 years and you know nothing else of the world um you moved from Israel at 18 and then you know nothing else yeah. So the the current sort of like touring is giving me like a little bit of a sense of oh there are other forms of existence mm. uh, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I've never I've never been outside of really like for very long periods of time. Yeah. Like outside of going coming to the studio and teaching and then going back home like. Yeah. I'm pretty like cocooned you mean in new york yeah like like i I never was a traveler like die you know like couldn't wait to like you know like i don't know if you have like your interests my my interests would never travel as like a general yeah like walks on the beach and traveling and you know i'd rather be here and now you're feeling now feeling a little bit more like interested in and experiencing what other places are like. So is that the impetus for this tour? Talk a little bit about this tour. I mean, the tour, I mean, everything is sort of so ad hoc. Like, the tour started with, um, like, sort of suggesting to a couple of my studio owner friends that I'm kind of, like, I have this thing that I'd like to teach, 
and I'd like to come to your studio and teach it. No one, like in the beginning, no one really like invited me. Like I sort of called my pals and I was like, so I want to come in and teach this, like, I don't know, my thoughts about movement for three hours in your space. Can we do that? And they were like, sure. Um, How did you cultivate this network of studio owners? um, I think that when you go to like enough conferences and maybe you have a little bit of a reputation, studio owners come to you. So like a lot of these people that I initially contacted were people that came to New York and were interested in taking maybe taking for me and then we sparked a friendship or at least a, like a like a work friendship yeah. and I felt comfortable enough to invite myself to their space cool um and then they just kind of went from there yeah <laughs> yeah so like you start you start with with inviting yourself and it looks like you um got invited and then other people <laughs> think like you got invited, so they might they feel like they want to also extend yeah the offer. Um, but yeah, I'm a cheap date. Like I, I made it like inviting me to your studio is like in, like not a big investment. Yeah, uh, I don't have a, a long writer of, of like Beyonce <laughs> levels. Yeah. yeah, like you know, um, and I'm trying to make the workshops very affordable to teachers so like if you are coming from far away to take the workshop that's a huge expense so the workshop itself is not very expensive um so it's more like as democratic as it can be yeah so what is this what is this workshop is this your potato method yeah i mean the potato method really refers to how i feel about my own body when i do pilates like sometimes when i do pilates i feel like that's what a potato would look like if it was doing Pilates. Like, <laughs> like you just feel blobby and like yeah. not ballerina like and not as graceful as yeah you could be. And um, I kind of trying to make that okay for other people. So I think it gets misunderstood because I'm not inventing an entirely new method of movement. Yeah. It's Pilates. It's just how I feel, or sometimes how other people feel when they're doing Pilates in public in front of other people and you feel kind of like a blob doing it versus like a graceful pixie person. Yeah, I always feel that way 100% of the time. Yeah, so the potato method is like, like, okay, be blobby and like embrace the potato-ness of how you feel that day versus, you know, like pretending that it's not happening. Like I'm acknowledging that often we feel like potatoes yeah exercising yeah (laughs) what has the reaction been from the people that have taken the workshops all over the world has anything surprised you um no i mean the i mean a lot of things have surprised me on on a lot of levels but the reaction is that i think that if you come to my workshop you kind of know a little bit about me so you are not generally shocked by the content <laughs> yeah and if you are then you you maybe d- didn't do enough homework <laughs> yeah <laughs> but the workshop itself is kind of what I just said where it's like move like a person through this series of exercises that are the method of Pilates or whatever you know 
there's just a finite amount of exercises in the method. Yeah. Do them. Um, I don't know where it was written that they have to be beautiful. Yeah. Um, or visually, like, or pleasing. Or look a certain way. Like, why, why is your interpretation, interpretation of the movement not okay for some reason to you? Who told you that your movement isn't as good as it can be? Yeah. You know? And sometimes it is a person who told you somewhere in your journey of movement that you're not good enough. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't look like the picture-perfect ideal. And I'm saying, well, okay, but you're 5'2", and this person is 6 feet tall, and there's, like, you can't compare and contrast yeah. these two things, yeah. you know? You're a man, and this is a woman, and you, you know, you're 30, and you're 60. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> I remember being younger and thinking, I, like, what we were talking about earlier with, you know, exclusivity in, in all these places and I remember thinking like oh Pilates is really cool but I can't go there until or like right. I, my, my body's That's not good enough super or, normal yeah yeah and I'm trying to say I'm trying to like deconstruct that a little yeah, bit which is so and and say amazing. you know you don't need to look a certain way you don't have to have a certain kind of outfit yeah. you don't need to wait until you're xyz enough to join yeah. the practice because what I'm trying to remind instructors, uh, which is mostly the demographic that comes to the, these workshops and students, um, is that why isn't the, your Pilates practice kind of like your yoga practice or your horseback riding practice or your martial arts practice? Why is this not the same? Like why is it okay to be practicing your handstands in a yoga class but not okay to be practicing whatever it is that we're doing in the Pilates mm -hmm. studio on the same level like one day is aces and one day is not yeah. one day you nail it and one day you don't or like one like or there's something you literally can't do and it's going to take you five years to get it yeah like oh I don't get it when you come to Pilates it's like I don't get it. what are we doing and I'm like you're practicing movement yeah I don't know a ton about the history of Pilates. Uh -huh. Why? I know it was a, originally like a therapy, right? More like physical therapy. Yeah, it was rehabilitative. Um, it had rehabilitative roots. So when did the the shift to aesthetics and emphasis on? My personal opinion is that it's based on fact, but I'll say that it's more of an opinion, okay. is that Mr. Pilates, who was a man who mm -hmm. came up with the method... And this was in the, like, 60s? 40s. 40s, yeah. okay. Uh-huh. And uh, into the 50s um, until he died. And he had a following, a pretty devout following um, of dancers and ex-dancers who took to the method and became his apprentices or his he never really did like a teacher training per se like you not, never got certified by Mr. Pilates to then teach Pilates you okay. studied with him and then you at some point decided to open your own studio and there are five what we call like 
the elders, which makes it sound like a cult. Yeah. Yeah. So they were trained. So they by were him. trained by Mr. Pilates and who are still around. Who was still kind of around. Uh-huh. Uh, so he like you either got his blessing or you didn't to open your own studio across the way in Manhattan. Where was, oh, he was in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and you know the the different elders did different things, but they were all dancers. Or had dance background, Got and it. and all that women painted and a man also okay. a dancer, okay. and uh, that painted everything a shade of dance. Mm, okay, and it's just kind of how the cookie crumbled. Okay, on that because like it just you know because the, the his bread and butter of the people that actually came to take sessions from him and pay him money to work out yeah. were regular people. Got and it. ladies who lunch because his first one of his first studios was at I think at the old Bergdorf Goodman um, building like way uptown. yeah way uptown and you would go shopping and then you'd go have lunch and then you'd go to Mr. Pilates and it would be something that you could like hypothetically you could exercise and not like profusely yeah. sweat and still kind of go about your day yeah. without having to shower. Yeah, which um, I And enjoy. you can wear your Chanel suit, you know. Um, so it was, you know, ladies who lunch, and then yeah. injured dancers would come to him. And so the ladies who lunch aren't going to open their own studio. No, the ladies who lunch it's weren't the, interested in opening their own studio. So but the apprentices, how. or I don't know what, they, what the technical term right. for them was at the time, the students that were there to learn the method... And potentially also teach, um, happen to be dancers. Got it. And they were probably thinking that this is a great rehabilitation tool for injured dancers, and that's how it got the reputation that it did. Yeah. Like the, all the Alvin Ailey students would come and study with Mr. Pilates to rehab an injury, and then it just kind of happened so to well. continue. Yeah. The, that lineage happened to continue but like it could have been like a different kind of luck of the draw where like martial artists would come to him yeah. or some other modality of movement would come maybe a bunch of swimmers like I yeah. don't know you know yeah, it could yeah. have been it would have been something it would have been like, something else it would have looked differently yeah. today but it happened to be that the dancers took the lead um, and I think they sort of infused the original Mr. Pilates choreography with a more dancerly approach and flair. Got it. Um, so things got lost in translation, like a game of telephone. Yeah. Like he taught it this way, but my body does it this way. Right, <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right. So like if you can make it beautiful, I think that was the impetus. It's like, if you can make it beautiful, why not make it beautiful? But right. the exercises are very utilitarian. Yeah. Um, and very democratic. Yeah. So when I teach Pilates, I cut out um, the, the extra. Yeah. Extraness sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and keep it a little more straightforward. So... It is appealing to people who maybe lack a certain level of, like, inherent grace, you know, Uh, so that you can still feel really successful in doing the exercise, but maybe you can just 
do it the same yeah. way you would do traditional I fitness. love that because <laughs> I'm not a dancer and I'm like the and if it's a spectrum I'm on the opposite side most of people a aren't yeah <laughs> and I it, there is something about and I'm not an athlete either and right. I'm not athletic and I I think there's something to the fact of being able, like at, at least I know I'm doing it right and that's why I love a small sure. class or a, where yeah. I'm being watched and it's like well I'm, I'm not hurting myself Key. and this is challenging yeah but not terrible, like, right. that's... it's. A, I want it to be somewhere, like, my interpretation of the exercises where I am now in my thoughts, which will probably change over time, yeah. is to say that there is no wrong gesture with yeah. your body. You can't, you're not doing wrong, like, you can't do it wrong. You could do it more to your advantage or less to your advantage. Love that. You know? Yeah. So, like, you can squat this way and you can squat that way. Does that one hurt your knee? Do the other one. Yeah. Right? But yeah. you're still doing a squat. Yeah, right? totally. And Pilates is just, like, if we demystify it a little bit, it's a set of very linear, straightforward exercises yeah. like the, the, I know that it sounds like shrouded sometimes like in people that have never experienced it in the mystery of like what is it even but it's it squats and lunges and planks and push-ups yeah with with springs or without springs right with spring tension or without spring tension with a reformer or without like it, at the end of the day you're doing like pretty functional movement yeah. If we t if we kind of strip away the aesthetics, it's just a squat and it's just a lunge and it's just a plank. Yeah, it's just stylized. Right, has different names. Yeah, has different names. It's stylized, but like a plank is a plank is a right plank. Right, bending and straightening your elbows is the same every in every yeah. fitness modality. Right, you're either pushing something away, you're pulling something. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, there's no right or wrong. There's just what, what is and isn't serving you. Yeah. Right? So, injury, like, keeping people injury-free is a big deal. impetus, right? Yeah. Uh, and then helping people with their injuries is also a big impetus. But also being young and fit and staying young and fit, you know, for until... Yeah. The end of your life would be nice. Yeah. And Pilates is just a tool to help you age well. Yeah. I think that's what attracted me to it because I I started practicing yoga really young in high school and eventually taught and realized that I am hypermobile and was overstretching all my muscles and hurting my, my joints and then eventually realized that I needed more strength and sure. not so much flexibility and I had to be careful of that. And my best friend, who you taught in Boulder, um, like when you were there, she said she... Which one? Took her, her name's Amanda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, she started teaching Pilates and I was like, oh, I love this. This is very satisfying yeah. and, and better for me. And and since then, I've, I've kind of been hooked. But it's something... Anyway, I, I don't know. I guess I just wanted to, to tell you that. But it's yeah. something that's interesting how everyone kind of... Do you feel like everyone kind of comes to it with a... Not necessarily a goal, but a, 
agenda of I want to, you know, if if you when you stop moving, things stop working, or like what there's is a, there's a generally people who come to Pilates um, generally, especially if they're coming to instructors on a higher um, education level, are coming to them specifically to deal with a pre-existing condition. Mm-hmm. So it could be a chronic condition or it could be a temporary um, injury or something uh, you know the bread and butter of an advanced practitioner of Pilates is people yeah. with something going on with yeah. them um, the bigger studios that let's say have like a 12 reformer yeah. class are catering to the more able bodied yeah Person. So, so different studios do different things. Um, this particular studio is more interested in a personalized approach uh, where you could be actually quite injured and still move a lot <laughs> around yeah. your injury, right? Yeah. Or rehab it over time. Or we're not doctors and we're not PTs. But we're somewhere in between. Like, yeah. we're not quite, like, we're a little bit too knowledgeable to, like, pretend that we can't help, but we're also not healers. Right. And we're also not physicians. So it, it becomes, like, a weird blur because, like, I try not to tell anybody that I can fix their injury, but I can facilitate safe movement through your injury yeah yeah that makes sense you know so so that's the demographic of people who come to me right um and then there there are the fitness people who are definitely interested in like having an overall kick-ass session yeah um for sure you know yeah Uh, they're just not as prevalent yeah that makes sense i want to get back to to you and moving to New York and then yeah. how you transitioned from photography to Pilates. So you moved to New York when you're 17, 18? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what was that experience like? What was going through your head? How did well, you I'm, make it happen? I pieced out out of my parents' house like pretty aggressively. <laughs> they tell us about that. Yeah, I, I turned 18, I saved a bunch of money, and I packed my bags and I was like bye (laughs) you have to have like an interesting situation because you had to get out of going into the army not for me I mean I was lucky enough to be in a year where there was like a surplus of women uh where I kind of intimated to my um to, to my higher ups that I was interested in going to college versus serving uh, as a secretary for a year and eight months uh and they were just like fine (laughs) like they weren't like super jazzed about it but like they're like fine we have like a lot of women and not enough jobs and we get what you're saying yeah um so I just kind of lucked out uh I could have been not so lucky but I lucked out in the sense that they didn't give me a hard time but I would have served if you know yeah they wanted to argue about it and then um so you packed your bags packed my bags 
got to New York. Was that some, what was your parents' reaction to you moving and moving so young? I don't know. I mean, I don't. I don't know that I considered their reaction yeah. so much that I committed it to memory. Yeah. <laughs> like I only remember sort of uh, it being a fact that was non discussionable yeah so the reaction was like this is just what's gonna happen now um acceptance i think was their reaction (laughs) and then uh yeah i think it was hard for them probably uh at first and it was definitely hard for me are they still there both of them no they uh moved to maine a few years after i moved to new york okay maine yeah they moved to the States because my brothers also moved to the States at some point. And, um, yeah, so they're here. But at first I was sort of by, by myself yeah. and figured that out. Got a job in the East Village at, like, a, the like the last sort of, like, photo printing place. Like, when people, like, were transitioning from film to digital. Yeah. So this was, like, 2000. Uh, before like digital cameras were like as popular mm-hmm. and then um that was my first job how did you choose the east village i think it was like a craigslist job opening okay <laughs> and i just, uh, I just went yeah yeah uh, and i had an apartment uh in the lower east side also a craigslist apartment um with two like a lesbian couple and a great dame and I was doing that, and that was like a couple of years worth of my life before I went to school. So did you go to school for photography then? Yeah. Okay. So eventually I decided to go to the School of Visual Arts mm-hmm. and got my degree there. Were you liking it in New York? Did you feel like you had community? Did you... What was what were those first couple of years like? Were they exciting? Yeah, was it like I mean, being in the city. Was it like what you thought when you were twelve? Yeah, it was that, yeah. and like even more. Like yeah. it was it was what I thought of when I was twelve, and uh, ten million times better. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm a you know like my level of of going crazy is probably not as some other people's, but it was you know like your 20 to 25 was a pretty fun time (laughs) I mean it was there was nothing cooler to me than like this was still when you could smoke in bars too so there's nothing cooler to me than like sitting in like an old man bar in the east village and having drinks with friends and hearing stories from people who have been here for yeah ever i that's like my favorite thing now you know so i you know that's kind of what we did yeah um so you're so you go to school for photography and then you're working at that photography shop and then what do you do after school so after school i worked um as an artist assistant for a while i got a scholarship to do a semester abroad um and a graduate program in london when i did that came back had a total nervous breakdown of like i don't want to be an artist assistant forever i don't want to 
work in a gallery. I don't want to really, like, work in a magazine. Magazines are dying. You know what I mean? I don't want to work at, like, you know, like, cosmopolitan.com. Like, with my, you know, with my degree, like, I just, I don't want to do, like, peripheral art world stuff, you know, Uh, which a lot of my, the people that graduated from did, and I really respect them and think that everybody chose their path, but I didn't want that path where it's like, you're sort of like maybe a photo editor, junior photo editor at a desk in a cubicle and a super non-committal job, you know, or like you kind of work your way up to being main photo editor of this thing that I don't right. have a lot of feelings about, yeah. you know? So, so I, I kind of saw that line kind of drawn out. Uh, and I just didn't want to be one of those girls at like refinery 29, like puttering around in a cute outfit and bangs. Yeah. You know? So, and, and I'll do respect to them. I just, yeah. didn't, like that wasn't me. Yeah. Um, so I said like, what, after a few years of doing things like that, um, being, you know, a cute girl walking around offices with bangs and cute shoes, uh, getting paid to sort of photo edit things, I decided that I was going to go home and have, like, the first true, like, breakdown of my life, where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, and I need to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, what if I really the one thing that I like doing is going to Pilates class, uh, which I was doing all through college. And And how did you discover that? I had moved across the street from the studio that we're in now. So at that point, I would just come in twice a day and do Pilates as like a therapy. How did you, did you meet the, the, current owner the yeah yeah he was here how did you how did you so after you know like I've after being like a student here Mm -hmm. for maybe five years um when I got certified he offered me a job and then he offered me a partnership so cool yeah so (laughs) organic it was kind of organic so what made you what was your like relationship to fitness and zero um, I didn't have any relationship to fitness before. Did you know anything about Pilates? I mean, I didn't know anything about Pilates before I came into this particular mm-hmm. studio. Um, I've always been interested in dance and interested in the arts in general and, and like the, like all the things that I just said that I'm trying not to do. Right. Yeah. But, um, and like consciously didn't, like, I don't talk about that part of like, the thing because like I don't want to be lumped up to like here's another dancer who like become became a Pilates instructor because right. it's not interesting uh, to me yeah. personally I didn't come to it from an injury I didn't come to it from I came to yeah. it as like a therapy like I was stressed out college student that needed somewhere to go uh, and so to me uh, the Pilates studio was always the most like the safest nice a sense of community like I have people that I took Pilates with 10 years ago who are still good friends of mine and they're not Pilates instructors they're we just knew each other from class cool. so 
this particular it was studio like is Central magic. Perk. Yeah, this was definitely a place where you caught up with yeah. some of your, some of the East Village folk. But um, and there's still people who come here who I was just taking classes with, and now I'm their teacher. Cool. So that's very rare. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of I never knew that there was a snooty part to Pilates because I only knew this yeah. studio. Which is so, the best. which people that came in here were tattooed. They were of all permutations of, of sex, you know what I mean? Like different yeah. sexual orientations, everything in between, um, different colored hair, different colored skin. Like I never knew it was like sort of like a white girl thing. I never knew yeah. it was like a skinny white girl thing. In this space, it was always like, all shapes came yeah. into class so I had to learn so like a roundabout yeah. that Pilates had a stigma yeah that's a really didn't great first occur to me didn't yeah. occur to me like I didn't when I went to do teacher training and I realized I was like the biggest girl there it didn't I was surprised almost like like I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect it to be a bunch of, like that my classmates were a bunch of ex dancers. It didn't occur to me that that was the norm. Yeah. How long had the studio been here when you first started coming? And probably how five you... years. Okay. Um, or maybe less a little bit, and it was fairly new when I started coming here, and then. We, it always sort of my business partner bought it from the original owner okay. who moved away and then I became partners with him does he have a, a dance background was was this always this energy that's yeah in but studio? like he's sort of like a dude do you know what I mean like he doesn't yeah. like have that sort of like life like you know, ball- ballerina-y kind of yeah. thing. So not to pick on the ballerinas, they're wonderful people. But the the teachers that worked here weren't. They were all shapes. You know, mm-hmm. they were kind of all. It was always yeah. Like they, yeah. They, they didn't have a look. You kind of clicked with who you clicked with. There was never like a side eyeing kind of thing. Yeah. Like it just or I didn't notice it. Yeah. But I don't think it existed. Yeah. In this particular space. So then going to, how did you decide where to train and what was that experience like when you get in the room and you realize that it's I not decided like the to room. train at the, a school called the Keene School at the time, which focused on anatomy, being able to work with special populations. Mm-hmm. So that's just kind of, I just happened to pick it. Okay. You know, so I had to kind of learn like, the the like the exercises later but yeah. I learned a lot about how to deal with various injuries and pregnancies and post pregnancies and and things like that that was the it's very mo- useful most what we like yeah. kind of studied and that's what the school is known for yeah uh, and then I did a lot of continuing education after that going back to where we were before I kind of like got yeah. on a tangent with things following things I was curious about but you're Going through this breakdown, was that before or after you did your teacher training? Before. Okay. So I'm sitting in my parents' house and I'm like, I can't go back Assisting. Back to this sort of like job and I want to do something that actually 
helps people and I want to do something that makes a difference and yeah. I, and I you know like or whatever it is that you think about yeah. and I want to do something that will you know has uh immediate effect on your surroundings so the only thing that I could think of is like the one thing that I wake up in the morning looking forward to doing was like either doing my work day so I could go to Pilates <laughs> at the yeah. end you know like that was like my bonus after a long week is like oh I get to go to Pilates finally yeah so I was like well you know I, I by the trying to do like an elimination like what what do I hate doing the least and what do I enjoy doing the most all roads led to Pilates so you do your teacher training yeah you finish that yep did you know that you wanted to be a studio owner no I didn't know if I'd be a good teacher I didn't know if I would you know like if I get a job once I graduated you know like there there's too much unknown yeah. so studio owner is something that you kind of think about like maybe much later in your Pilates life I think Jeremy my business partner wanted to go to PT school mm-hmm. so he needed someone to work with him so he could go back to school I made some some major changes that you take a partner you you kind of have to like acknowledge that they're going to have a vision of yeah what they'd like to improve and or change and you know it alienated not only some of the staff but it alienated some of the core regulars of the studio so that was really hard yeah transition to lose students also opened the door for new students but how are you mentally doing through that and then also leaving photography in this art that you had pursued and gone to school for. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, the, the reality of, of being, like, a professional artist became very, like, the naivete of, like, and then one day I will be discovered was pretty early on in, like, like, college, where you're yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm probably, like, no one's going to offer me that, like, big, you know, commission deal that I imagined would happen when I was 12, right? Yeah. But um, I never really left photography because I found that because of the nature of what I'm interested in photographing, which was mostly me, a lot of self-portraiture lends itself to what I'm doing now. So I always considered, like, the combining Pilates and photography to be a thing that I was not going to let go so that I have always like a photo project going yeah um so if it's me dealing with my body if it's me exercising or whatever I always combine yeah Pilates and art it seems like a very welcomed skill to have for it's fun yeah <laughs> yeah and you're amazing at it uh, so it's, it's, it's to me it's like I, I could I can't give either one of them up completely yeah for the other so I have I, it, it was super organic to say like well I'm gonna do a photo shoot and I'm going to do the reality that I live in which is I teach all day right so it's not gonna be me at the 
club, it's going to be me at the Pilates studio. Right. It used to be me in my apartment or me in, like, whatever reality I was in. Right. This is my reality. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely autobiographical, but also true to, you know, sort of documenting movement. With your method and the potato method, which we already kind of talked about, you're all about empowering people to move freely in their bodies. So how did you come up with, with that phrase and what exactly does it mean? I think we kind of addressed it before, but I just want to make sure because I think it's unfortunately the free part is rare in, in fitness. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is me like being like somewhat sleepy and yeah. I'm not thinking about my words, but yeah, I mean, I think people have like a specific structure of like, this is how it should look, or this is how you should be. And this yeah. is the like results driven or like, for, yeah, instead I see of just moving to yeah. move or moving to feel good or moving. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't, I don't know enough. I have a lot of ignorance about, like, other people's dogmas, I suppose. So I surround myself with people that I'm interested in listening to. Actual noise that I want to listen to shares my point of view of, of move because it feels good. Yeah. Move because you need to. Move so you can age well. If you move a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right no one cares yeah right so it depends on what your priorities are like if you're in a results driven person you're going to need a results driven teacher you can't seek me out for that do you know yeah <laughs> like it depends on what if your results are spot toning i'm probably not going to be the right teacher for you if your results are walking out of here after an hour of movement feeling better than yeah. 10,000 instructors are the right instructors for you you know what I mean like right, like right, that's right. all we do like that's yeah. their only job yeah. is to actually move you this move you that way move you this way move you that way and then you leave feeling better yeah the precision that is is in Pilates shouldn't be neglected, right? These are precise movements, but there's a lot of room. There's a lot of wiggle room within yeah. the precision, you know. Yeah. So if you're if if you're interested in doing it literally the one way, you'll find the teacher that'll guide you through that. Yeah, I feel like that my immediate peers teach the body in front of them. Mm -hmm. So. The way you do the exercise and the way I do the exercise will be probably very different. Yeah. So move freely within the parameters of, of good biomechanics yeah. and what works for your particular body. I don't yeah. know. Like the, the, there's a lot of shades of gray in there. Yeah. But move freely means not like dance around the room with scarves I mean right. do the exercise but like also allow yourself to yeah not be so uncomfortable yeah you know don't like hurt yourself yeah don't hurt yourself like not forcing don't force yourself into a position yeah. be an adult you know and make decisions that are good for your 
particular bone structure. Yeah. I listened to you on another podcast when I was preparing for this, like I mentioned, and when I heard you talking about something really interesting, speaking of imposter syndrome, uh-huh. which is something I think we all deal with, but you compared it to being like the song of the summer that people love, <laughs> um, yeah. but inevitably get sick of yeah. and fearing but, yeah, yeah. that your style of what we were talking about, liberated movement, could swing into that direction. But I don't think that could ever happen because I think it's so refreshing. But can you talk about that? Yeah, I think that sometimes things feel really refreshing and then you're tired of how refreshing they feel and you want it. Like the pendulum always goes back and forth, you know what I mean? Like it's like the same in fashion, like loose clothes, one season, super tailored clothes, another season, loose clothes again because you get tired of this Yeah. and you get tired of that. You know, high-waisted jeans, low-waisted jeans, high-waisted jeans, low-waisted jeans. Like, so to me, it's like, Right now, I think people are reacting to the liberation of Pilates as being like Pilates for everybody, move the way that makes you feel good. And then maybe the pendulum shifts back to mm. actually, like, I kind of miss the days where, like, I had to be more specific and, like, uncomfortable and, you know, yeah. like, I think that there is room to acknowledge that freedom of movement sometimes you know it's the same politically you know like like super yeah. liberal super conservative super liberal super conservative like so interesting it goes back and yeah. forth you know like you get tired of the freedom yeah or you get tired of like yeah do it this way i don't care like versus like no you have to do it this one way and that's sometimes the guidelines and the structure of like an uber structured super specific class feels refreshing after the reign of freedom yeah you know so that's how I feel about it where it's like right now this tastes really good but after so much chocolate you're gonna crave vanilla right and after so much vanilla you're gonna crave chocolate so interesting you know think of that and so I think about it you know the same you know the same way it's like there's gonna be like a revolution and then there's gonna be a backlash yeah and then there's gonna be a backlash to the backlash and then there'll be another revolution like yeah it's so interesting well it's a little bit of self-awareness yeah like do what do your truth know that maybe it's not a forever popular truth but it will be again and it will be again and it won't be and it will be it's out of your control it's out of my control so i can only do what i think is the right thing to do it's popular right this second yeah because it's fresh it sounds fresh but like it's the same with models like you get tired of seeing like the same person in every ad you need to look at a different face i i once heard you say that when you're teaching the thing you care most about is presence and that's one reason like I was telling you like I started doing Pilates because it's that time where like much like recording a podcast my phone is away from me and I have to focus all of my energy on listening uh-huh. yeah that I can't think about anything well, else yeah. it's very meditative can you talk about that well a bit? Pilates is one of the only jobs it feels like the kind of job that when I'm 
teaching eight hours in a row, mm-hmm. I am that person's teacher for an hour and an hour and an hour and an hour where I don't check my phone and I'm not available to text you back. And Pilates instructor in general is so present when they're teaching by default. You have to be. Or you, you know, sound silly. You, you, you can't. You can. You know. You can have an off day and, and a non-off yeah. day, but you can't just be. You can't be texting your boyfriend yeah. like you would when you have a desk job, and you can kind of zone Multitask. out and kind of come back into it and then go down like a YouTube wormhole and come back into your job yeah. and like this is one of those jobs where you're on you're on you're on yeah. as a performer doing a job like you you're professionally on and you're emotionally present for your student everybody can phone it in sometimes but if you phone it in the majority of the time you get caught does that energize you or drain you both yeah, different days, right? So yeah. it's like different cycles. Like some days I'm like, if I have to say these words one more time, yeah. I will murder someone. And yeah. then some days I'm like, I'm so excited to say these words. Again, it's a, you're organic. So there, there isn't like one way of being. Yeah. You know, today I walked in and I had so much anxiety about teaching a long shift. I was like, I don't know... If, if I have anything to teach these people, I don't know what I have to give them. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it that I'm going to say anything they haven't heard me say to them a million times. But then I have to think that this person comes to see me maybe once or twice a week. This is two hours out of their week. Let's say I teach 30 hours a week. I say these words 30 times a week. This person heard them twice. Yeah. So... M- the relationship to the words is so different. Yeah. Um, what I have to give them is way more interesting to them than I think it is. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. What advice do you have for other Pilates teachers who maybe feel that way or just in general? I mean, from imposter syndrome to burnt out syndrome to um, all the different... feelings and syndromes that you feel when you're you know like wherever you are in your Pilates journey right the thing that helps the most is studying with someone else so again I'm lucky to live in the city where I can go take from the best of the best and get inspired and yeah hear somebody else's voice and somebody else's cueing and get out of my own head and, and keep learning that solves 90 percent of the yeah problem. how often do you do that what is your personal practice my like personal that? practice could be way better i try and see some of my favorite teachers at least once a week mm-hmm. that doesn't always happen but once a week is like the bare minimum that I go out of my studio to study with someone else. Mm-hmm. It should probably be more, but that's something I'm always working on. Yeah. I know teachers that like do Pilates every day. I know teachers that haven't done Pilates in years. Like, uh, you know, like there's yeah. so many gradations there, but I think it should be the case that we strive to hear somebody else's voice other than our own because we talk so 
much yeah. that it's just so refreshing. Yeah. It changes how you're going to teach for the rest of the week. Right. Do you practice on your own and, and teach I'm terrible yourself? at that. Yeah. yeah. I know people I in this studio too. specifically, too, who are like, their self-practice is so great. Like, they'll come in an hour early, do an hour workout, get in the zone, get in their body, have a great shift, you know? I am not one of those people. I cannot focus on my own self for long enough, especially as a studio owner. If I guess if I didn't own the studio, I'd feel differently about it, but there's so much minutia that once I'm in here, I can't focus for long enough to do my own thing. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, but I think that people that I'm always very admiring of the person yeah. who comes in early and like gets in their body so they can kind of like have empathy for their students. Yeah, it's it's like readily available to them. You just felt it. Yeah, you just felt it, and it's so much easier to give it. Yeah, you know, and sometimes I'm giving it from a place of deficit where I'm like. Mm. I actually don't remember exactly how that felt to do. Yeah. So I'm going to teach it to you because I know how to teach this to you. But I should probably, like, revisit this. Yeah. You know? I remember feeling when I was teaching so much yoga in college, I would make up, like, a really great flow and feel jealous of the class That's I was right. teaching. Yeah. Like, this always. is so good. I wish I was doing this. And I teach it. the class that I want to be taking. Yeah. So the person who comes to me that week is getting the thing that I wish I was doing. Yeah. And you time. may not be getting it. And I'm, not, I'm definitely not getting it. Yeah. Right? But I'll teach it eight hours in a row. Yeah. But it's usually, like, movements that I wish I was doing myself. If it's consciously or subconsciously, like, we're doing it. Yeah. You know? So, a thing about Pilates that's tough is the inaccessibility and cost associated uh-huh. with it in terms of, you know, machine classes are difficult to afford. Yeah. And, you know, what would you say to people who want to commit to a daily or weekly practice, but that might not be financially feasible or have it in their community we already talked about the internet but anything else that yeah i mean it's a it's a affluence person's practice you know so we try and not pretend that that's not happening (laughs) do you know what i mean like we have to acknowledge that this is a practice for people with ancillary yeah income do you think that could change at some point, if the not according to how I'm, uh, again, like the the digital revolution of doing Pilates has changed the accessibility. Mm-hmm. So unless you're will, right now, unless you're willing to either invest financially in your Pilates practice or do online classes, you're there's a disconnect between yeah. like people's finances and what's available. What we're hoping longer term goal is that health insurance will mm. subsidize as they do gyms and things like that or, or office like, you know, employers will yeah. you know, give you some allowance allowance for yeah. your wellness. Um, we started getting some of that here where cool. people 
invoice their bosses uh, their 10 class card. Preventative, Pilates will be considered preventative medicine. Cool. So if that answers that question, it's just not as popular as it, as it might be in 10 years. No, it definitely does. And I hope that there's more of that. Yeah. A couple of questions that I, that I ask everyone. We always discuss bodies and body image, which we've already been discussing. And the way I usually launch into it is asking, you know, in the society that we live in with really idealizing one body shape as the ideal, do you ever have what I call a bad body image moment? Or it doesn't even have to do with size necessarily, but just not feeling your best. And how do you shift out of that moment so it doesn't become a bad body image day? Or right. what are some of your like personal yeah. practices? Per- like to get really personal, like um, I don't know. I mean, I think every day is a bad body image day in the world that I am in. Yeah. Um, so. The, there isn't a day where I wake up and I'm like, yes, nailed it. You know, like, this is exactly what I want to look like, you know. So, I think everybody <laughs> feels that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, I'm not really practicing what I preach where I say, like, you know, like, love the body you're in. Right. And, like, just come and exercise. Right. Um, but I do feel better after I exercise, usually. Um, and... I try not to measure my... I try to not to measure my worth by how I feel because I don't always think that... I, I try and sort of say that, like, feelings aren't always facts, right? So just because I feel worthless doesn't mean that I don't have worth, um, which is which is sort of, like, the human condition. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes I'll wake up and I'm definitely not that keen on leaving the house. Like it's never, like it's never like yes, like it's gonna strut my way to work. It's gonna be great. Right. Um, Are there any thoughts that you tell yourself that help you? To like to me, you seem you and like being around you and meeting you for the first time. I was like wow, she's so beautiful and confident <laughs> and, like, cool, and I want to be your friend. That is that is so like, nice. That's the, that's the air that you, like, yeah, give I, off. Yeah, I th- you fake it till you make it, man. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think I have to embody some persona that makes it tolerable to feel bad. Like, I don't try to not feel bad <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean so like I'm I have I embrace you feel your feelings yeah like I embrace feeling yeah like and I'm yeah. not trying to solve not feeling bad by feeling something else yeah so if you feel bad but like put some lipstick on and suck it up you know what I yeah. mean like feel bad but then go do your job Dur- yeah. and feel bad during it we feel bad about feeling bad so I tell people often to stop feeling bad about feeling bad like yeah. 
don't like that's double bad yeah (laughs) so feel really bad like feel really shitty feel like like bad and and big and fat or too short or too tall or too something feel that yeah and then do the thing you need to do yeah like why is feeling bad stopping you from what you need to do I think we all clench up and we're like, if I allow myself to feel this, it'll be Pandora's box and I'll never... It is. I'll never get and out. open that box. Yeah. Let it all be out there. All Like, feel really bad. Yeah. And, and then, then what? Through you. Like, then, but, yeah. And it doesn't. Let's say it's always there. Like, yeah. you're always feeling bad. Like, other than sitting at home and, like, being a hoarder, what are the options? And you're not... It's not like you're feeling good. You're just, like, preventing feeling bad. feel really bad. Like, go outside to do the thing... Like, if you got up and you, like, read your favorite book or... And then went back to sleep... That's a fine day. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're feeling bad, and what you're doing is trying to, like, find solutions to feeling bad mm-hmm. instead of actually feeling the feeling. Yeah. And I've kind of had it, per, per, not with other people, but with myself. I'm like, so I'm not, I, like, I can mask this with, like, I can go eat a cake and maybe I'll feel better. Or I could, like, go to, like, make out with a guy and maybe that'll make me feel better. But, like, those things are temporary solutions to feeling bad. coping mechanisms. Right? So feel really bad. And then when somebody asks you how you're doing, say, I feel really bad. Yeah. Then what? You know, like, nothing, like, you don't feel necessarily any worse yeah (laughs) and we can't feel if you don't practice the feeling whether it's bad or good then you can't feel the like richness of sadness and the richness of happiness like you're just i think so many people and another reason yeah we're trying to find like a like a like a a tolerable hum numb yeah. yeah and and i don't really buy that as a way of existing like I'd rather the highs be really high and the lows be really low and very little in between versus like New York just trying yeah like versus just like existing in like a a safe realm of feelings that's very inspiring to me and it kind of reminds me of this thing my my therapist told me like maybe a year ago now I, because I would always say over and over again, I'm like, I'm someone who feels so many feelings. And she looked at me and she's like, you don't feel any feelings. You think a lot of thoughts. Right. But I wasn't in my body right. feeling anything. Yeah. And Pilates, the the motion of hat forcing myself to be in my body yeah. was very uncomfortable. Very me. intense. Very uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. And very, yeah, it's intense. And and I'm not there 100% of, like, feeling off my feelings, but I I notice when I'm tapping out of yeah. life and I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm turning to the phone. Or yeah. I'm turning to work. Or I'm turning to the relationship or food or whatever yeah. it is. And it feels more uncomfortable now because I've developed that self-awareness. Yeah. But 
I want, and then I, and then I'm frustrated with myself that I have the self-awareness. You're feeling bad about feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah. And exactly. Yeah. And I'm trying to say like, okay, so you're feeling bad and why can't that be your zero? Like zero out at feeling bad. Like why is that not an okay feeling? Yeah. Why do we try to fix that right away? Um, because you know, and I mean, there's this whole argument like happiness is a choice. Right. You know, you can choose, you have to choose to be happy. And I'm like, fuck you. Like, yeah. I'll choose, I'm choosing to feel bad because that's my zero. Like, I exist in feeling bad. Like, I don't know how to wake up and, and feel like my comfort zone from how I was raised, maybe to like my chemical makeup yeah. to things outside of my control. I actually revel in feeling bad because if I feel good, I don't do anything. I don't get anything done. I have to feel a little bit angry. I have to feel a little bit jealous. I have to feel a little bit like, you know, like threatened. I have to feel a little self-hatred and yeah. shame spirally and all these things to actually feel inspired to do stuff. If I didn't feel, like, shitty, I wouldn't do anything. Yeah. I'd be like, cool, this is just fine. Like, I'd be, like, content with where I was at. Yeah. But I wouldn't compete, and I wouldn't compete with myself to be, like, better. Right. Do you know, like, it's a huge motiv... Feeling bad is a huge motivator. Yeah. To get things done. It's almost... <laughs> it's, it's almost like, why do we have to... I don't like the term. Like, why yeah. is it feeling bad? It, it, it shouldn't be called that. Yeah, I'm, like, that I'm, so I'm feeling like, I don't feel like I'm a bad, well, sometimes I feel like I'm a bad person, but you're feeling what you are. I'm feeling, I'm feeling legitimate, complicated, unpretty feelings that are maybe having unpretty thoughts. Yeah. And feeling anger and feeling resentment and feeling frustration and feeling jealousy and feeling, mm -hmm. you know, like if I wasn't ever jealous of anything, I wouldn't be motivated to try th uh, to yeah things that scare me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like jealousy is a huge motivator. Why is that a bad thing? Right. Like, somebody has something that I would also like to have. Yeah. I'm not taking it away from them. It's inspiring. I just want to do it right. also. That's great. Yeah. You know? Uh, and we call it, like, we, we pretty make it prettier and we call it, oh, that person inspired me. No, right. she didn't. You were jealous of her and you wanted to also do it. Yeah. Do it. Own it. Yeah. You know, what's wrong with that? Yeah. Preach. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well said. That's how I feel about that. Yeah. Okay. I'm also highly medicated, so that's that's you know that helps. Yeah. <laughs> it helps you be like feel things. You yeah. Know? Like in a more like uh, linear way. Yeah. So yeah. you're on like antidepressants. Give me a cocktail of various, <laughs> yeah. various things. Because I think that, like, you know, left to my own devices, I would be in a padded 
potted room with my thoughts like yeah like really spiraling yeah far into like a very dark place so i try and like be in the dark place not pretend i'm not dark yeah uh but be in a place where it's i can still be a citizen of the world you know what i mean like i can still be like contributing to the world somehow without like you know being institutionalized right. you know what I mean like I'd prefer that than you know yeah. I prefer being medicated and, and alive and doing stuff than yeah. like not right but it fucks with like the way you sort of process information yeah so so the darkness you know like you just kind of have to like be like okay it's dark here and you like sometimes you like open a window and like a little bit light comes in and then you close it back up and sometimes you open this other window and a little bit light comes in but generally it's dark yeah and then like that that can be okay yeah that's actually allowed yeah (laughs) so do you do like do you feel like you are more even I guess but it I mean it, it evens you feel evened out like it's a it's a chemical thing right so you mm-hmm. feel evened out but you remember what things are supposed to feel like so you kind of like access feeling memory like you remember what it's like to be really pissed off and then you remember what it's like to be elated and you remember what it's supposed to be like you know but you can't but you but you can't go so so low that you can't leave the house so you remember what like this should make you really happy so you access the memory of happiness yeah but you can't you're not actually feeling does that frustrate you i don't know anymore yeah how long have you been on long time yeah yeah um so i don't know any like i can't tell because I feel frustrated with so many more, like, like things that, like, are more, like, um, pressing mm. that, like, I can't go down the, down, like, too many avenues because it gets a little too heady. Yeah. Uh, for me, I need a break from thinking about thinking about. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, how do you process stress and how do you, like, are you in therapy? Do you meditate? What are... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I have, I, I, I'm psychiatrically treated, which is mm-hmm. different than going to weekly, like, regular sort of therapy or more cognitive mm-hmm. therapy or whatever. Um, so, it's a different different way of dealing with mental illness mm-hmm. but if you know like everybody deals with some level of mental illness either with themselves or family members yeah. and um it, a lot of it is genetic you know and out of your control so i get frustrated with things that are out of my control like it's not under my control to be sad all the time right that's frustrating to me right you know, it's 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 hard to feel so sad. Yeah. All the time. Um so yeah, I wish like my my natural state wasn't so sad. Yeah. Do you feel like that could change or 
can change? I don't know. Yeah. I don't have enough foresight or context yet to know, but I know that feeling so sad all the time has made me also who I am. Mm. Um, I would probably be a really different person if that wasn't there. I probably, you know, from birth on some level, like I gravitate toward, you know, the sadder things in life. They interest me more. Yeah. Um, And as you get older, you just become more of who you are. Yeah. (laughs) So I have to, you know, I'm accepting the, you know, like if I, if I had like a, like a physical illness, I would have to accept it at some point. Right. You know, so it's the same with mental illness. You have to sort of accept that either some days are more manageable than others. Some days you're more well than others. Yeah. This is a really interesting conversation for me because I think, and I think we all do, I think it's kind of a spectrum, but I, I have a tendency towards melancholy and a liking towards feel sad things yeah. and f- feel more comfortable there. Yeah. But yet my entire life, I have pushed against that, like sure. going upstream well, to... we're not supposed to Exactly. This is why this is like a watershed. But what's the supposed to? You know, like the who I don't know who the arbiter of of supposed to is. Yeah. Right. Society. So society is is too vague of a term, and your parents are fucked up on their own level. Yeah. And one of the things that I hate the most is like, well, everyone's doing this as like a sentence or like yeah. people like. You know, the people think blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Be, either name names or don't talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I've never really believed in supposed to. Yeah. Ever. Like, I knew that colloquially, like, happiness was, like, a goal, like, a universal, like, agreed upon better choice. Mm-hmm. But... It doesn't work for me. Yeah. It's, it's interesting <laughs> because, like, I, I, when I hear you talking about that and when you said that you are, I think you said, like, you're sad that you have this tendency towards sadness and it's just how you are. And then, like, that made, that made me sad. Like, I wish sure. I could just, like, reach in and grab it. Yeah, out but of Why? You. Do you know what I mean? Though? Yeah. Like, like it, there's a part of me that's like, like let you know, like sad, like sad is, Why is, is just a valid feeling is happy. Yeah. And also, like, are they that different? Right. Like, are are they polar opposites? And like, one is better than the other. Like, I just don't know yeah. enough. I'm not. I'm, this well, isn't my field. But it's kind of like body image. It's kind of like. I don't know who told me I was supposed to be thin. Right. Right? But I don't believe in that. Yeah. And I don't know who's who's the decider. Right. And therefore, I was going to be the shape that I am. And I'm also going to have the temperament that I yeah. have. And a, a lot of it is like, well, women should be should be small, something like, small yeah, and meek and, and uh, v- visually appealing and... 
attractive to men. Right. Or whatever. Right. right. I don't know. Just but in stuff. some cultures, larger bodies are considered. Sure. And, the, and then the skinny girl feels out of place. Right. Right. So I don't know what's supposed to is. And I generally find whatever you're supposed to do to be the most insulting yeah. Uh, choice. <laughs> yeah. But you're supposed to. Yeah. X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, I'm just probably going to do the opposite. Yeah. Because this is dumb. And, like, I so am behind that when it comes to bodies. Like, sure. it's, it's, it's easier to conceptualize, like, yes. Yeah. I'm so happy body diversity exists. It would be so boring if it didn't. Like, I. But body diversity would, ex- like, as a term, is so wrong because. Like, body diversity exists because, like, humans are humans. Like, yeah. body diversity isn't, like, a, an intelligent term. Like, body positivity and body mm-hmm. diversity shouldn't even be used concepts because it's, like, saying, like, I'm so glad racists exist. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not... Why am I that's saying, dumb. I'm saying it because I you, heard someone else say it. Do you know it. what I mean? Like, I've been like using you're it. not dumb, but, like, no, the, the no, term is, is dumb. Because, this is why I love but it. But it's, like, like, it's, like, oh, I'm so glad so many sexualities exist. Yeah, it doesn't like, make any sense. that makes me feel so good. And I'm, like, they would exist if you felt right. whatever it is that you felt about right. them. Like, yeah. they're facts. Yeah, it's just a fact. Yeah, like, bo- different bodies are born. Like, people are born without limbs. Like, right, right. What do you right, want right. to do about it? Like, yeah. I, I, do you want to celebrate body diversity? Give me a break. Right, yeah. No, Human nature, you. we're organic beings. Like, I'm so glad there's so many types of animals. It's ridiculous, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm literally repeating that, like you were yeah, saying about, like, because I heard people say it, and it sounded... Body diversity, I mean... Yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm gonna stop saying it. No, but like, but like, I wish people stopped and thought about what they're saying. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean you you're so glad you're celebrating body positivity? I'm like, this human has a body. Right. You're tell you're sanctioning it. Okay for them to exist now. Yeah. Like, who who like. What's the who are the who? What's the panel? Right. Who's the who's on the panel? Yeah. Of judging, like oh, now we're celebrating body, body positivity. Yeah. And I'm like, right. what? No, it's ridiculous. Like I'm like I'm so like it's like, I don't know. It's like looking at fish in the sea and being like, it's time to celebrate the. Like, yeah, you know the shark. Right. You know, right, like, right, right. he's gonna exist regardless of right. you celebrating right. him or not. Right. So you're so you're saying to them that they actually that now we've come full circle. Right. And it's 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 time to acknowledge their non-disgusting existence, and you know celebrate their curves. Right. And like. Could you be more condescending? Right. And the amount of times that people come up to me and tell me I'm brave... Yeah. ...is the problem. Right. And I'm not saying that they mean harm. Right. I'm saying that your thinking is backwards. A firefighter is brave 
a white girl teaching Pilates that's like 30 pounds heavier than what you'd like her to be is not brave. Yeah. Let's put things in perspective. So first, I definitely don't want to be put in the category of bravery. Yeah. Um, then I definitely don't want to be put in the category of being celebrated for my bravery. Right. It's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the way to change it is to point it out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And whoever gets it will get it. And whoever doesn't right. get it won't get it. But like. No, I'm glad you pointed it out to me in my language. Because I, I was just like. I was about to like make a totally different point and I just sure. like casually use that term of like and it's a fine term to use because it's like it's not harming anyone it's just wrong headed right no and I I totally yeah. see that it's not a racial slur you know it's, it's just, but it's it's just silly because it's, it's like just, saying I'm so glad there's so many different races it yeah, makes it's the like, world so beautiful and that's what I that was like the sentiment <laughs> I was saying it's exactly. just kind of cheesy yeah it's like, it's like I'm like I'm so duh. glad yeah it's like yeah it's time to celebrate black skin. I'm yeah. Like, no, it's not yeah. time to celebrate black skin. It's it's, it's a just a fact right. that exists. I don't need to like it's celebrate. It's just, I don't, it doesn't need right. to be like all of a sudden like pointed out as like so beautiful. Right. Like it's just regular. Right. <laughs> well, I I think the whole reason I like said that term and I and I brought that up and I promise I'm gonna like yeah, lay yeah. on the plane. So we can this are now it's like fully pillow talk because yeah, I'm yeah. like getting a little yeah. loopy myself. I think it but, should be. But this is like the best part of the conversation when we like forget we're recording and just like running yeah. and talking. But I was saying about I wanted to shift to like the comparison of bodies to mental health. Yeah. And I feel like this was like several minutes ago, but when we were talking about how I had this sense of how we make sad bad and we make happy good yes. is the same as fat being bad and right. thin being good. That's right. And, you know, I guess why that is for fat and thin is, you know, culture, the media, a million things, beauty standards, blah, blah, blah. But with happiness, I think it's all of those things. But on some level, I, my question to you is, it's maybe not society and it's maybe not that maybe it is myself being like I know happiness feels so good I don't and sadness feels so bad personally I don't I want you to feel happiness sure I like you You sure sure yeah yeah um yeah I mean human nature is to is a we're pleasure seekers right so it is abnormal to not seek pleasure yeah right like you put a mouse in like a cage and if it presses a button it gets food it'll eat until it dies right mm-hmm. like it's neat the nature is to find pleasure yeah. uh and when something is going against nature it's unnatural right so so your impetus to say i want this person who i like to not feel pain is absolutely human nature. Right. Because you have empathy. Empathic people who aren't sociopaths, right? Opposite. You can you can put yourself in my shoes and, and you and you go like, oh, I don't want my friend to feel negative feelings. I want her to feel pleasurable feelings. Yeah. You're just being human. 
Yeah. But if everybody, again, is so different. Yeah. I, you know, like there's a part of me that's like, I find joy in accepting who I am. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's like part of it is a body thing. Part of it is a mental thing where it's like, if I like, if I don't have to pretend to be happy, then there's something joyous and pleasurable about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, pretending to put a happy face on everything when that's not your truth is not pleasurable. Mm. Yeah. And I guess it's... And it doesn't mean you're being bitchy and it doesn't mean you're hurting other people and it doesn't mean that you're taking it out on them. You know what I mean? Like, right, like, of course. If your temperament is, is somewhat dark... And then owning it, it, there's a level of joy there. Yeah. That I wish was just okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just the joy of, of feelings, anything. Yeah, it's the, like joy, the joy of, of, it, of, it, of being um, a sort of... Human? Yeah, instead of okay with, like, the, your lot in life, yeah. in a way. Like, you, like this is just... the the cards you were dealt yeah fighting the cards all the time is exhausting sometimes you fight and sometimes you win and sometimes you lose and sometimes you accept yeah you know you can't you can't choose your parents you love them regardless right you now so right. i mean again like like there are people with like actual problems yeah like the problems that I'm experiencing in my day-to-day life are not in the scale of, like, real-life world problems really? that big of a deal. Like, this person's a little, like, bummed out because they're, like, yeah, what, you know? Yeah. So perspective is, yeah. is helpful, Yeah, you know? Like, we're just sitting around talking about a podcast... And it's going to resonate. Yeah, and it's going to resonate with some people and it's going to piss some other people off. Yeah. And it's going to, you know, it's going to have a rainbow of reactions. And But really what we're doing is just two girls talking about their feelings to yeah. each other. Because yeah. we want to and we have the privilege of doing that. Yeah. And um, we can acknowledge that that's a privilege, not like... A right yeah you know there are people that are going through like some major shit right now and have no one to talk to and have no one to talk to and they're not sitting in a, in a comfortable environment sharing their feelings about their feelings about their feelings yes you know yeah. getting real meta yeah about like their privilege yeah wow <laughs> you know this is fantastic but i love you know like I, like if i acknowledge that i'm being really meta about my privilege then like at least I have some self-awareness. Yeah. It's the non-self-awareness that scares me. It's the goopy non-self-awareness yeah. that scares me. And that's everywhere. And that is yeah. so prevalent. Like, you're, like if you're going to, like, yeah. If, if you're going to do this, like, if you're going to sit here and talk about our feelings as, like, mm-hmm. you know, relatively, like... Raw. Fine. But, like, also relatively, like fine people leading fine lives right um let's like acknowledge the fact that like this is just like a bonus to our life yeah it's not it's 
it, this is the extra like icing on the cake of the life. Yeah. We don't need this to survive. We right. need this because we lo- like talking about ourselves exactly. to each other. Yeah. Like there, <laughs> this is a, such a... To be, even be aware of your feelings is such a privilege. Yeah, like, like we have time to sit around. Like clinical depression doesn't like exist when you're just like... Trying to get by. Yeah, like you don't have enough food to eat. Yeah. You know, like, no one talks about Pilates when right. they don't have, like, they can't feed their kids. Right. Right? So, like, I have to, like, walk around, like, who's my audience? My yeah. audience is people that are okay. Yeah. You know? Um, and I'm so glad that they are. Yeah. And, you know, the the volunteer work that I do is to make it, is for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. when I volunteer my time, it's so I can sort of feel like I'm not, like, walking around, like, a sense of millennial entitlement with everything. Yeah. (laughs) What is the volunteer work that you do? I try and um, open up a few hours a week for LGBTQ students who are too threaten to go to like an equinox or you know what I mean like but maybe want to move yeah yeah so that's sort of what I kind of am within my purview of like being able to do something yeah um and that is right now and like it's not enough but it's enough yeah you know and it's better than nothing yeah uh, and there's always more I could do because I'm privileged to be able right. to do that. Um, but I like to have enough self-awareness to know that even this conversation is, yeah. is, is something that like I s- celebrate and acknowledge. And I'm happy to have. I want us to not have it not... Not thinking, like not thinking where we are in the world as yeah. we're having it. Yeah, and I think that's so c- common that most people don't. I am guilty of for sure forgetting all the, all the time. All the time. Yeah. Like I'm so mad when like the train doesn't work. Where I'm like, there are people that can't afford to go on yeah. the train. Like, do you know what I mean? Like I have these yeah. moments where I'm like, shut up. Yeah. Like, you're fine. You're going to go home and you're going to order delicious food and you're going to have a nice evening. Like perspective is very Yeah, like I have helpful. Yeah, I take a lot of time to have some perspective. Yeah. Okay, this is going to be a hard transition. transition. Yeah. But What's I, your favorite color? Yeah. <laughs> um, was about your personal style and I just think you I don't know, have the best style when I walked in here and what I see when I follow you online. You have a very clear aesthetic. Is that something that you've developed or have you always Always. had that? Always. And what advice do you have for people developing a personal style? Do they want, do do people want to develop I do. What advice do you have for me? Okay. So if you wanted to develop a personal style, then I would say that what makes you feel like if you wear something that you are very comfortable wearing that's your personal style just own it yeah like if you like wearing sweatpants and like a tank top 
rock those fucking yeah. to the tank top. Yeah. Cool. Th- that's your first. That's your style. Done. I did it. <laughs> okay. Something I always ask people on this podcast: What are your morning routines? What are like the first three things you do when you wake up in the morning? Do you have anything? They're terrible. Panicked look at like my email. Terrible, terrible way to start the morning. Don't do that to yourself. <laughs> if you could like change one thing about your morning routine, that should probably <laughs> be it. If you wake up in the morning and you're like you're pa- like panically checking like all your email accounts, that just gives you a sense of the <laughs> kind of day you're gonna have, you know. So that's first thing, and then. Um, there's a copious amount of coffee that comes in to like fuel <laughs> the panic and the, and trying to like I'm a very quick responder so it's like I'll tr- like instead of just being like okay there are 15 emails to answer and like I'll answer them at my leisure because none of this is life and death I like I try and like yeah. respond to everyone way too quickly and then that's just a that's the morning routine it's just like shot to yeah. hell like. There's no, like, laying out of the crystals and then, like, my meditation room and, like, deep breaths and, like, a lo- like just, like, a foamy latte waiting for me <laughs> in, like, the New York Times. Like, it's not. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, did anybody die and do, like, how time-sensitive are these emails? Yeah. Um, not a good, not good advice. What about in the evening when you're not... Don't record a podcast at 9.30 yeah, yeah. with someone who, like, keeps you imprisoned before your flight. Uh-huh. P- total prison. <laughs> uh, yeah. Think about all the people that are really in prison. <laughs> oh, man. We're very privileged. People, that can be the title of this podcast. That are prisoners of war. <laughs> and you're a prisoner of Pilates. Prisoner of podcasts. And they're um, <laughs> um, no, they're evening. God, Netflix. What are you watching right now? What do you, what do you like? Anything on and I hear it's good. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. That might be my next show. Dark. Um, okay. This is, there's a million more questions that I usually ask, but go for it's, it. It's go like, do it. And I've never had a podcast start on one day and end on another day. Do it. We're getting do it. We're doing close. it. Okay, so say the say the first thing that comes to mind. I'll warn you, they get harder as as they go. Okay. Favorite color? Clear. Oh, I like that. Best thing you've eaten in the last week? Pizza. Greatest lesson on relationships? Don't date an alcoholic. Greatest lesson on family? They're the only thing you got. Greatest lesson on spirituality? What you think happens when we die? All that. God. As a Jew, nothing happens when you die. Okay. <laughs> um, what are you afraid of, but you're doing anyway? Everything. What is your favorite part of your life right now? Right now is uh, recording this podcast, <laughs> but maybe like outside of this podcast, um, getting to travel. Cool. Okay, this is just a way to recommend things in these categories. So it can be ultimate favorites or things you're loving right now. So you're trapped on a deserted island and you can bring with you 
one piece of music, one movie, one book, and one food. What do you bring? Music, Prokofiev, Romeo and Juliet. Book, Call Me By Your Name. It's going to be a movie that's coming out next cool. month, and that's probably going to be the movie cool. of made out of the book. Um, and what was the other one? Food? Yeah. Definitely pizza. Cool. Okay. The name of this podcast is Let It Out. Do you feel like I rang you dry? Is there anything you wished you would have gotten? Oh, yeah. I let it out. <laughs> I definitely let it out. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for doing this. Do you this. think I let it out? You sure okay. did. Good. I'm so sorry it's so late Why? and I'm sorry. Loopy and I feel like I I asked be- I bad think questions. I it made it like, really it? good because it made it weirder than the usual. I think so too. Peppy. Like if you caught me at like two o'clock in the afternoon yeah. with like a cup of coffee, totally, it'd be a totally different conversation. And me too. And I think it was weird too because I prepared the day we were supposed to do this. Yeah. And then today I was like, I'm gonna re-prepare. I'm gonna re-listen to her on all the podcasts. Yeah. Go over my notes. And I didn't. I just walked in here. Yeah. And I hadn't like even read my notes, so some of my questions were like, that doesn't even make sense. (laughs) And I was like reading my like notes I wrote a month ago. No. Anyway, thanks for being cool. Thanks for like asking me questions. If you are still listening right now, it's a mild miracle because that was a very long podcast. Anula is fantastic. Isn't she smart and interesting and just cool? I really like her. I enjoy her Pilates classes. I enjoy her studio and I enjoy her as a person. Follow her on Instagram. I think you guys will really like her stuff. Okay, that was the episode. One more thank you to Juice Beauty. Like I gushed about at the beginning of this podcast, I can't get enough of their stuff. It's an addiction, and I really enjoy their plant pigmented, that's very hard to say, plant pigmented makeup. And their skincare line is fantastic as well. I've been washing their face with the green apple cleanser, and I should knock on wood or something because who knows, my skin can do whatever it wants to do, but it's been great, you guys. I haven't had any breakouts, and it feels really good even though the seasons are changing, and I think it might be Juice Beauty's fault. I'm also using their primer. I don't. I didn't even really know what primer was. I, I, it's kind of like moisturizer for me. I, I don't think that's what it's supposed to be, but I've been using it every day, and I love it. It really makes my skin feel good. So check that out. Go to juicebeauty.com slash let it out for 15% off your order. Also, thank you to Bob's Red Mill. Their products are something that I've been using for years, so when they wanted to become a sponsor, I was very okay with that. And by okay, I mean I was very excited. And I think you might be excited too because you can get 25% off your order by using the code Let It Out. And here's the thing, you're probably using their products anyway. You probably maybe use their oatmeal, maybe use their flaxseed, maybe use their flowers for baking, baking soda. They have everything. They literally have everything. You're probably buying that stuff anyway. So you might as well stock up and you might as well support the podcast and you might as well get a discount, 25%, by using the code Let It Out at checkout. The link's in the show notes. I'm just thinking it makes sense, you guys. You know, the thing is, it's cost-effective. You're killing like three birds with one stone. You're supporting the podcast And you're probably baking and buying stuff you'd already be 
buying anyway. And if you are baking, feel free to send me samples. I am a fantastic taste tester and I would love to eat what you are cooking. Okay. All right. I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. The emoji took me so long to think of that word, but the emoji for this episode is the potato. Okay. So tweet at me and comment on my Instagram and also at Anula's Instagram, the potato, because she is the founder of the potato method. Love you guys. Talk to you next week. Bye.